0: Have you ever in life been told something and then as time went by, it didn't come to pass? We've all, I think, read in the newspaper or in the news or heard something in the news and then as time went by, we found it wasn't quite so as we had read. Sometimes we hear things and sometimes promises are made and and they're broken and it's caused a lot of us to have trust issues. And um, that impacts our Christian life sometimes. Sometimes we in our Christian life have trust issues. And here's where that is a problem. is because the Christian life is all about trust. It is all about the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the faithfulness of God, It is all about our simple trust in his character, in his person, and in his promises. And oftentimes, because of how this life is so full of broken trust, it can cause meddling trouble in our spiritual lives. And so it is important for us to look and to consider beyond our experiences, to what is reliable. Now you might say wait a minute. You just now said we all have trust issues. So how do we know we can trust the scriptures? Well, can you bear with me or rather could you bear with the scriptures? Bear with the scriptures and allow them to speak to you. Let me offer one question that often has impl- is often asked. Salvation is everlasting life through Jesus Christ. Everlasting life? How do I know? How do I know I have everlasting life? How can I be sure that I have everlasting life? Oftentimes, our focus is here. Here. When in those moments of doubt, our focus needs to shift to hear. And not just hear, but what is revealed here in God's word. The topic that we deal with this morning in our doctrinal statement, our church's statement of faith, is under the title The Believer's Position in Christ. The doctrine we're going to look at is commonly known as eternal security. But if you look at our statement of faith, you won't find those words, eternal security. If you have your copy of our statement of faith that was distributed some weeks ago, you can follow along with me, but I'd like to read it to you. So under the heading, The Believer's Position of Christ, we as a church as brethren together declare, we believe that the divine relationship established in Christ is as sure as the person and the promises of the Son of God and the Word of God. The key word there is as sure. That means we can depend upon it. We wonder of this relationship we have, this divine relationship we have in Christ Jesus. When we doubt it, what do we do? Well, as we profess to believe, we acknowledge that it is as sure as two things that is, the person and the promises of one person and something else. It comes back to it, of the Son of God and of the Word of God. So the person is the Son of God, Jesus, and the promises are revealed to us in the Word of God. So when we have the questions of our eternal security or questions of our position in Christ, we ought not to look in ourselves But we look to the person of the Son of God, the person of Jesus Christ, and we look to the promises that he has made in his word. Again, I'd like to remind you, our first statement of faith had to do with this book. Again, we see illustrated as we're dealing with the question of our position in Christ. It's real, and it comes all back to what's in this book. Not my opinion, not your opinion, not some theologian's opinion, but what God has said. Most importantly, it is not our feelings because feelings are tricky little things and they can lead us astray. I'm not saying that feelings aren't real. Feelings are very real and feelings have profound influence upon us. But in those we have to channel and refocus them back to the key person, the Son of God, and His promises, which are found in the Word of God. In our statement of faith, there are three references listed for this doctrine, we believe. John 4, 24. John 10, verses 27 through 29. And Romans 8, 38 and 39. Now I can see just in reading those, some of you have immediate connections as to what those scriptures are. Praise God, that's good. These are good references to keep close at hand because they have application and reality of application in so many different parts of our lives. It has application in the times when we are feeling lonely, when we are feeling sad when we are doubting our salvation, when we are doubting the future, when we are struggling with what we see, it even has real, real application in the times when everything's going great. Because I'll be candid with you, our faith is tested not always in the dark and the hard times. Perhaps our faith is actually tested more in the times of success and good. One interesting fact in relation to that in a relationship we as human beings have a most sacred relationship of marriage. And oftentimes in wedding vows there is a vow, a promise, a covenant that for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. Think of that in the relationship with Christ. Oftentimes on the wedding day and as the young married couple is beginning life, it's in the poorer and it's, it's in the poorer. But is it also in the times of riches? Is it also in the times of health and also in the times of goodness? Is the marriage relationship strong? So is true in our relationship with God. Do we see and acknowledge and trust in Him and hope in Him for the better, for worse, for the richer, for poorer? in the sickness and in health, in both parts and in all parts of life, are we hoping and are we trusting in Him? The doctrine of eternal security, this here doctrine, is important. Again, let me read the first part of it that is the declaration. We believe that the divine relationship established in Christ... Well, in order for us to start talking about how it is as sure as the person and the promises of the Son of God and the Scriptures, do we understand what is summarized in that divine relationship we have in Christ? See, when we understand our relationship, that divine relationship, and that it is in Christ, the surety of it is very much settled. You've probably heard the phrase in Christ. Perhaps you sign your notes and letters as in Christ. When I was a child, I used, was, was learning all the salutations, you know, you could say best wishes, you could say you could say best regards, you could say kind regards, we could say sincerely, and I was also taught that one of them was to sign in Christ. And so oftentimes I would write in Christ. As, and, and here's the thing, is I was just a child, and I didn't have a really clue what that meant. And when I came to realize there was one time when I was signing a note and I was writing in Christ, and I thought, why am I writing this? And so for a season, I just stopped writing in Christ because I'm like, that's just one of those, uh, I, I don't want to say this unless you think I'm, I'm caught up in this idea, but that's one of those Christianese things. You know where it's a Christian, you know, Christian term, Christian language that Christians use. Um, just as a note, if it's in the Bible, don't let it be derogatory. It's a good thing. Um, some people use that to say we shouldn't use phrases like that. No, all the more we should use phrases like that. We should just know what they mean. We should know that language. But I stopped using it for a while because I didn't understand the significance of in Christ. Now, as I've begun to understand it, I now write it in meaning. Think about it for a moment. You sign your letter in Christ and then your name. The next time, I don't know, I, I, I wanted to ask hand raised, but I'll refrain from that. I'm, I'm curious to know how many people sign their letters that way. But um, when we do, or if we do, do we understand what we're declaring when we write, in Christ, that's something that's absolutely amazing. That is a relationship that is, in some perspectives, inconceivable. To be in Christ, to be a part of Him, to be a part of His body, Speaking again of the marriage relationship, they're spoken of as one flesh with Christ, the anointed one, the chosen one, the creator, the savior, the one by whom all things consist. The divine relationship. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians Ephesians chapter 2, famous passage dealing with the gospel. As I've always said, it's hard to just jump into one little verse, but we find here in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 a declaration of what happens when a person is saved, when a person by grace through faith is saved and receives the gift of God that is not by works, lest any man should boast, but it is by the grace of God. And as soon as this is declared, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it declares this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You and I, in the moment that we through faith, by the grace of God, receive the gift of salvation, we are created a new creature and a new creature who is in Christ. That's the reason why we are called Christians. Christians means to be little Christ's. You and I as Christians, as believers, are in Christ and we are his representation to the world, but not just representation to the world. When we face dilemmas and problems and trials, we are in the creator. When we face sickness, when we face death, we are in the sustainer of life, we are in the giver of life. Do you see what a difference it ought to make and how it can make such a profound difference in our lives? This is the simple declaration. We are created in Christ Jesus. We find from the rest of that verse that one of the reasons that this is done is so that we can then go forth and do good works. It's interesting that if we're created in Christ, that means that Christ is doing good works and he's doing it through us because he we are in him we are united with Christ as Christians we are little Christ it is a divine relationship in that we are established in Christ now the temptation often is is that when we are going through pain we are tempted to think how can i be in Christ if I were Christ, I'd just do away with this pain. And we are in to- when we are in times of doubt, sometimes we doubt the fact or forget the fact that we are in Christ because Jesus Christ is ever faithful, always true. But do you see, this is the very point. In those times when we are in the point of doubt is the very times we need to acknowledge and recognize that we are created in Him. And knowing that in the big picture of all, He has a plan, and He is doing that plan in and through us and all that's taking place around us. Often our perspective has to fly above the life on here this plane level to see it in the light of eternity and the reality of being In Christ. Many young people and adults, oftentimes those who have received the Lord Jesus Christ as children, go through times of doubt. Go through times of asking themselves, am I really a Christian? Am I really in Christ? I myself, went through a period of time like that. It's a question, truly, that each individual has to grapple with themselves. With God. But let me point you in the direction. It's with God and His Word. It's with God and His Word. It is good and wise to seek counsel or help from other Christians, other believers, but ultimately it is a matter in which will you settle it and recognize and will you profess what is here just a point in our statement of faith that your salvation is as sure as the person of Jesus Christ and as sure As the promises of Jesus Christ and His Word. There lies the question. And so if you're struggling and if you're doubting, be careful about spending too much time focused on the doubting and spend a whole lot more time focusing on the one who saved you and what He has said. Because it doesn't really matter what you think or feel. I don't want you to be offended by that because it does matter, but it doesn't matter. Do you see that? I think God cares about how you feel and what you think. But in the end, what is true isn't what you feel or think. What is true is who Jesus is and what he has said. And so when we have feelings, know that God knows your feelings when you have doubts, know that God knows your doubts and go to him to understand and to have reassurance. Turn with me to John chapter 5 as we practice what I preach. John chapter 5. We believe that the divine relationship established in Christ is as sure as the person and the promises of the Son of God and the Word of God. Jesus Christ said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. For a moment, let us acknowledge the reality that he is the truth, meaning that when he speaks verily, verily, truly, truly, he speaks the truth. Jesus is God. And the scriptures declare, God cannot lie. Look with me now at the words of Jesus. John chapter 5 and verse 24. Jesus says, verily, verily, which means very, very true, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. Jesus, the one who is the truth, who is the life, who is the way, his person, that's who he is, he promises, and just in case we're Tempted to doubt it, he introduces this promise by verily, verily, certainly, certainly, truly, truly. What I'm about to say is very true. That means listen up. I say unto you, he that heareth my word, what God has said, what Jesus has said, and believeth on him that sent me, believes and trusts in God, who sent Jesus, and by the way, the context of this is that Jesus was sent by the Father to earth to redeem mankind, to save mankind, to die on the cross, to rise from the dead so that we could be saved. That's why it is, hear his word. That's what he's been preaching. That's the simplest declaration of what he's been preaching, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, hear this man, This God-man, Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if you doubt it, verily, verily, Jesus says, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. You know what was a profound thing for me to understand is that word hath. And we don't use that word very often nowadays in our common vernacular. We would say had, or I'm sorry, not had, has. We would use the word has. Has. Has, present tense, present tense. He didn't say that whoever believes in me will. He says, you have it. You have it right now. Has, everlasting life. And if you have it right now, and it's everlasting, can it stop? Can it go away? No. So if you have it, it's everlasting life. That's what Jesus says. He continues on to say, oh, he does now deal about the shall, the will. Shall not come into condemnation, but is past, past tense, from death unto life. You see here, we have these different tenses. Those tenses are important. If you've believed on the Father and that he has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, then you have everlasting life, and everlasting life doesn't stop. You will not, future tense, any time in the future will not pass into condemnation. Condemnation is the, is the destruction and the, the everlasting punishment that we learned about before in the lake of fire. So you, 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 when you believe in Jesus, you have everlasting life, and if you're concerned about the future, about condemnation in the future, You shall not, in the future, have condemnation. Why? Because you have, past tense, passed from death unto life. Those tenses are important. And those tenses help us to sit back and look at this and be able to say as Christians, as a church, as a body, we believe that the divine relationship established in Christ is as sure as the person and promises of the Son of God And the word of God. And here we have a promise. Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? You have everlasting life. You have passed from death unto life. And you shall not, any time in the future, come into condemnation. It is sure because it is promised By the faithful and true, the one who is the truth, Jesus Christ. And I think that Jesus knew we might be tempted to doubt this fact. And that's why he started it by saying, Verily, verily, truly, truly, certainly, certainly, this is. Let's look at another promise. Turn with me over to John chapter 10. Oh, John chapter 10 is a beautiful chapter. Later on um, this year in our milk book, we'll be learning and memorizing this chapter or portions from this chapter. um, And it is really, really important. This chapter deals a lot with Jesus Christ as the good shepherd. And you know what? It deals with his sheep. And the verses we're going to look at particular are John chapter 10, verses 26 through 29. Now, if you're following along in our statement of faith, you'll say, "Well, our statement of faith says just verse 27." Yeah, you're right. We're going to look at verse 26 because verse 26 is really important, just as verses 27 through 29 are important. Let me read it all together. Jesus is speaking. He is speaking. Um, to some Jews there, and he's actually in the temple of Jerusalem. And he says to them, but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now if we keep reading, we find out that the Jews who were thereabout got all hung up on verse 30 when he declared himself to be God and they decided that they were going to just go stone him. Well, the reason is because they didn't believe that he was God, and as verse 26 says, they did not believe him and were not his sheep. And so rather than following him and hearing his voice, they were wanting and chose to try to stone him, to kill him. But look with me again. Let's not be distracted as they were. At verse 26... He says, Ye believe not because ye are not my sheep. The reason I want to loop in verse 26, our statement of faith is talking about believers and Christians, and that's why we look at verse 27 and following. But verse 26 is for those who don't believe. If you have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not one of his sheep you have not entered in to this divine relationship we're speaking of of being in Christ. If you have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not one of his sheep. You cannot claim to have passed from death unto life because you haven't. You don't have everlasting life because you have not believed on the Lord Jesus. And here now he's dealing with it in the question of sheep And Jesus says, if you've not believed, you're not my sheep. And then he goes on to speak of his own sheep. And he says, my sheep, they hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. This is an important application for all of us. We believe that the divine relationship established in Christ is as sure as the person and promises of the Son of God and the Word of God. Do we live it? Here is one way in which we live it. Do we live the life that is in Christ? Do we believe that we are united with Christ, that we are one with Him? In fact, in Colossians chapter 3, it speaks of Jesus Christ and it calls Him who is our life meaning we have no life because we have passed from death unto life and our life is Jesus. The only reason we have life is because of Jesus. We have life. And if we have life and if we are his sheep, then we will hear his voice. We'll be wanting to feast in his word. We want to eat his words. We want to know what he has said we will hear his voice and we can rest that he knows us that's that's a whole sermon in and of itself that he knows us a glorious truth that he knows us and we will follow him we will follow the good shepherd now sometimes the good shepherd leads us along the still waters Sometimes he leads us in the green pastures. And sometimes he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes he leads us when enemies are all around us. And sometimes he leads us in places where there is abundant feast. Let's follow him. Let us follow him, knowing he is the good shepherd. Let us hear his voice and let us rest in the promise he makes here. Our divine relationship in him as one of his sheep, look what it says here, verse 28, and I give unto them eternal life. No matter what valley or mountaintop we go, follow our good shepherd through, let us not forget that he gives to us eternal life. And they shall never perish. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. If you're one of his sheep, you have eternal life. You will never perish. Neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Notice there, I skipped over the word man. Well, if you notice in your Bible, it's in italics. It's in italics. It simply means no one, no man, no nothing. No, no nothing. There's no man in the original. That's why the translators were careful to note it in italics. No one, no thing, no one can pluck you out of my hand. If you wonder what, that, what you could put in there... In there with man, what I've done in my Bible is I've actually notated and made a point of the highlights or the itelists. Sometimes when we think of italists, we think of emphasis. That's <laughs> the exact opposite here. It's the emphasis because it's only there to help clarity. And in this case here, they're identifying that they've supplied the word. So what would you replace it with theologically? You can't you can't put anything in there because there's nothing there other than the concept and the implied anything, anyone. But if we were to try to define the anything, anyone, what would we put in there? Well, in my Bible, I put a little reference, and it's in your statement of faith, Romans 8, 38, and 39. It says here, Jesus gives this promise, I give them to eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Who's that? If we were to place that man in context, theologically, turn with me over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is, a, is one of my absolute favorite passages in the whole Bible. In times when I am discouraged, frustrated, tired, hurting in my body or spirit, I will oftentimes turn to Romans chapter 8. It's one of the most inspiring chapters in the Bible. And it climaxes with asking us a question. Because you know what happens when we are in those troubling times? We ask ourselves a question. Does anybody love me? For God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And look with me at Romans 8, verse 35. Who? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That was the question we asked back in Romans chapter 10, or, first, or John chapter 10, wasn't it? Where Jesus said, No man shall pluck you out of my hand or out of my Father's hand. Who is that no man? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? We are in Christ. We are as if a part of his hand. We're not just like setting in his hand. We are a part of his hand. We are a part of his body. Who shall separate us from his love? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uses the most extreme. We have a hard time identifying with a lot of those. Those in Rome didn't especially as time went by. Paul writes, as it is written, he quoting the Old Testament Scriptures, for thy sake, the sake of Jesus Christ, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Oh, that one hits hard if you're thinking about the verily, verily, John 10 sheep statements. We are his sheep. And here, accounted, that means that you're on the ledger, you're lined up for the slaughter. Huh? What happened to the good shepherd? Would the good shepherd allow his sheep to be accounted for the slaughter? That's why he's the good shepherd. And he knew that in some cases, people would be accounted for the slaughter. And that's why he promised no one's going to pluck you out of my hand. That's why he made the promise that even in the most extreme case, when you, as a sheep of God, a lamb of God, are accounted by someone for the slaughter, will it separate you from the love of Christ? Will it? The answer, verse 37, nay, that means no, no, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In my human perspective, I read that and I say, that don't make sense. Sheep accounted for the slaughter, conquerors? No, 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 no. If he had said, you are the roaring lions, I maybe could get the picture of seeing us as roaring lions who are more than conquerors. But he just now said that we are as sheep accounted for the slaughter. And in that, he says, you're more than conquerors. Well, there's a key reason why you're more than conquerors. Because you're in Christ. Why? For it is, this conquering is through him that is Jesus Christ that loved us. So it doesn't matter if the tribulations come, the problems come, the trials come, no matter what, even if you are one of Jesus' sheep who is accounted by this world or someone for the slaughter, you are actually a conqueror. We were reminded this morning of the missionary in Iraq who was accounted as a sheep for the slaughter. His slaughtering in the picture of eternity was conquering. It was conquering. He had fought the final battle. No man plucked him out of the hands of God. No man separated him from the love of Christ. In fact, it was a promotion through him that loved us. That's Jesus. There is why we declare in our statement of faith the person and promises of the Son of God. And then the famous verses, verse 38 and 39 of what Paul declares. And he declares this, not just because it's his personal opinion. This declaration is a declaration that he has been inspired by the Spirit of God to write and has been preserved for us today, not just to give us a historical picture of Paul, but to give us the truth and reality that every one of us, when we are in the moment of doubt, when we are in the moment of temptation, can say based upon the person, the character, the faithfulness, the truthfulness of the Son of God, and based upon the authority of the Word of God, every one of us who are believers can say, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so when you read in John chapter 10 that no man is able to pluck them out of my hand, Jump over to Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, and you get a description of who that no one man nothing is. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And so this, this truth we declare and we rejoice in. This will give us the confidence as we walk through life. So oftentimes when we are doing things, <laughs> we, we, we are nervous because we're not quite sure what we're doing. You ever been like that? I have. You know, nervous because we're not quite sure what we're doing. We don't have confidence in it. You know, there are certain things in my house, in my home repair that I try to do. But then there are other things where, I don't. You know, I'll do plumbing down in the basement when it's right above my sump pump hole. I'll do the plumbing there. Why? Because I know that if I get it wrong and it leaks, it leaks right down into the sump pump hole and we're good. I'm a whole lot about doing it in my master bath way upstairs. I just don't. I, 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 I get somebody that helps me because I don't have that confidence. I don't do it what's my point in telling that story? What's my point in that? Oftentimes, when we lack confidence in something, we don't do it. We we, we don't do it. Brothers and sisters, upon the person and promises of Jesus Christ, I want you to have the confidence that you are secure you are sure in your relationship with God. I want you to have the confidence that no man will pluck you out of his hand. Nothing will pluck you out of his hands. And then when you are trying to lay out your daily schedule and your plans, and you're not quite sure about things, you're sure of this. So that when you know God wants you to do something, and you're not exactly sure but then you are. That you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about your relationship with Christ, but that you know that whatever happens in this day, no matter who despises you, no matter who may spit in your face, no matter who rejects the truth you're trying to share, or even take your life, you have confidence. You have surety that your divine relationship established in Christ is sure, and there is nothing and no one that can separate you from the love of God. And so you go forth living with this confidence, with this assurance, with this reality in your life. And so this, uh, this morning, brothers and sisters, go forth confident in your relationship with Christ if you have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're not one of his sheep, know and believe today that he loves you, that he died for you, that he rose from the dead, that he is the only one who can forgive your sins. Will you believe in him? Jesus says that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You'll have this life.
1: And you can have this
0: confidence then that you can be sure to face tomorrow and the next day and the next day, hoping in him. Gracious God, we pray and bow before you so thankful for your word, so thankful for the scriptures, so thankful for you. You are God, but also our friend. You, the omnipotent, all-powerful, mighty God, but also our Daddy and our Shepherd. We thank you that you know us. You know our doubts. Help our unbelief. You know our struggles. Help us to surrender them to you. May we follow you. May we hear your voice. And through you, Lord Jesus, may we be more than conquerors no matter what we face, no matter how we are accounted nor treated. May we hope and rest in you. We commit ourselves to you in this day. Lord, I pray for those who have not believed on you, who are not your sheep. Today, may they believe on you. Become one of your sheep. Pass from death to life. Have everlasting life. May they know that they shall not come into condemnation. May they believe today. We give ourselves to you. and We praise your holy name. And we pray in the name of Jesus our good shepherd. Amen. As Brother Reisinger comes and leads us in a song, would you rejoice today in the confidence you have? If you have not believed, will you believe and then rejoice as we know and trust our good good shepherd.